Hey everyone, this is Season 3, Episode 4 of Guards of Eden, and today's guest is a returning guest, and it's Adam Crompton. So for those of you that are new to the podcast, Adam's been a good friend of mine for about seven years now, which is crazy to say, and we actually started Guards of Eden in terms of me and him sat down for the first episode. It was just before he was going to do his first season as a DJ in Magaluf, and it was just as I was obviously beginning this journey into the podcasting world. So we thought it would be a great idea to do a joined episode and do a year recap on what's happened in our lives, how the journey's been, and it provided us an opportunity to be reflective and to see each other really in terms of what we've achieved and allow us to be inquisitive, which I've always been really grateful for that opportunity. The first half of the interview is actually Adam interviewing me about Gars of Eden and what's come through that, which you may find interesting because you get to hear me a little bit more. But of course, on my side, I get to speak to Adam in the second half about what he's learned over the past year. And it's been amazing. I like It may not seem like a big thing in terms of the journey over a year, but to watch him grow as an individual over the past year has just been amazing. And to see someone find their calling is that you really care about is so special. And I'm I'm extremely grateful that I get to share a small part of it on my side in terms of him being the beginning of what Cards of Eden became. So yeah, I think that it's just two really good friends sitting down, catching up, and I can't wait for you to hear the story. But before we do, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast, if you could leave a rating and a review, that'd be absolutely amazing. And if you're able to share the story and also share some love with Adam, then that would be absolutely fantastic too. Because as we look to grow the podcast, it's really important to me to celebrate the people that are on here. And I'm super proud of what they've achieved. And of course, in this case, it's someone that's a really dear friend of mine prior to podcasting when we were promoing in in a nightclub. So yeah, we just mean a whole bunch. But without further ado, three, two, one let's go hey ad how you doing brother yeah good man yeah good to be back yeah we're <laughs> back bitch <laughs> one year on eh yeah it is mad to be fair there's been so much well especially well no on both sides growth Just so much growth yeah that's the word yeah and in a year you don't think of it as like a long period of time but so much has changed over that time in it it's, it's hard to stick to one thing for one year as well because mm. like your mood and everything can change like yeah, something can be the flavor flavor of one month, and then you can move on. Yeah. So, you, like, the consistency's been good for you, man. Like, you've been banging out the episodes, like the work. Appreciate. It. And like the quality of guests as well is just like the standards. It's always remained like really high. Like, yeah. So yeah, it's good. I feel like you definitely grind with this thing, and yeah. I appreciate, it, man. Yeah, it's um, you learn certain things. So like, whether it's you know for our episode at the beginning, like, I didn't know how to edit, didn't know how to do anything. Yeah. So like just learning like practical bits along the way and just learning it when you're listening to yourself like I am on audio so much. Are you, you uh, more conscious of your voice now? Um, like, yeah, you maybe. you listen back to yourself and thought, oh, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. need to talk slower or higher pitch or lower pitch. Are you more like... Yeah, I think maybe it's not too conscious, but it's more so having a mic in your face is so unnatural. <laughs> yeah. And then once you get used to it... I'm a little bit more just at ease with it. But yeah, mate, I think it has. It leaks into my everyday life, I think, more than I imagined. 
How do, how do you mean? Like as in, you'd think it'd be like, oh, I'm conscious of it with a mic that I suddenly change when the record button's hit. Yeah. But I think that it's actually probably changed my cadence and everything, like just in general, like and how yeah, I miss and everything. So. Yeah. Because it's we're talking in it, so it's something everyone does all the time. But yeah, it's a bit weird that I've kind of caught myself like listening better when I'm now in conversation and stuff like that from doing it. Because yeah, to be a good podcaster, you have to listen. It's boosted your social skills, then, hasn't it? Mm. I suppose that's which at like 27 years old, you just never think you can still learn something new like that. Yeah, yeah, something that's so basic and just instinctual. Like exactly, it's super weird, but. And you say, like, the uh, process of making them. How many episodes did it take you to, like, really get to the hang of, like, producing something that was high quality and that didn't have any, um, you know, errors that maybe mm. not apparent to the listeners is, but, like, I think as a content creator, you are, like, you have to be a perfectionist in a way, so you might have spotted things that the listener wouldn't. Yeah. Um, so how many episodes, like, or time did it take for you to get to that moment where you feel like I'm putting out, like, a, a quality product with, without any errors? I think season two was massive for it. I think season one, like from our episode in terms of just the audio quality, and like you said, it's something that most listeners maybe don't pick up on, but because I'm I'm spending more time invested in it, Mm. I'm really aware of it. But I think that as season two started coming along, I started getting way more comfortable with like the routine and the process and understanding what I need to do to make it, make sure that when it gets to that it's recorded and I'm editing, that process is a bit easier. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think, I guess the difference between the end of season one with Joe, that gap from the season opener with Dominique in season two, I think that was like the biggest jump in terms of just being able to then consistently from that point be in a better position to get the best audio quality and really small things too, like being able to, ask a, ask the right question at the right time not mm-hmm. just being so you know you know my process with the list of questions but you know I could plan an interview in my head and plan it chronologically but then I've started to learn that oh maybe I'll go one two three and then go to question like 16 because it makes sense course, and then work yeah. back so I think the repetition it's it's led I think from season two there was a big jump in like that the stuff that you'd maybe never see but in the end you kind of go oh yeah you are getting better I don't know what it is there's like these little things that as a listener you wouldn't know too much Mm -hmm. but um, yeah that jump in knowledge from season 1 to season 2 was massive which is episode 11 to 12 so in that time was you writing notes on your phone and preparing yourself how to produce the better quality for the season 2 was you was it something you were consciously doing and by the time you you had the mic in front of your face for season 2 did you feel like it was a new season it was a fresh start it was ready because of the things that you'd you'd practiced and and learnt from season one um maybe not so much the note but just every time I made a mistake of some sort it stuck with me more Mm. and it was more so making sure that I didn't make the same mistake twice and yeah I think although it wasn't maybe like active in terms of note taking what doing it in seasons has done and not doing something just weekly 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 is that it allows me to completely reflect on what's just happened in that whole entire season on a big picture and kind of being able to take a step back. Whereas I think when you're in the process of recording and editing and everything, it's so hard to take a step back and look at the podcast as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a decision I just made in general. It just, in my head, it made sense to do seasons rather than weekly, weekly, weekly. Mm -hmm. 
but I think it's been a blessing now because it just continues to improve all the time and it allows me to make a big jump between season one and season two and now two and we're recording three so that process has changed so much in a year but I think being able to take the time to take a step back and not be so like gung-ho 100 miles an hour with it all the time it's just allowed me to listen back to episodes and go actually I can see where I've made a mistake there or you know I'm listening back when I'm editing I go oh god I wish I'd asked that question there and mm-hmm. I think that's the big that's been the biggest jump from season two to season three I'm getting more comfortable in asking uncomfortable questions mm-hmm. um, knowing that they bring value and that the person may it may be more a reflection of myself in terms of being able to ask a question that I'm a bit like oh god I don't I'm quite naturally quite private so to ask a question that someone's like open to answer to I've been like oh god I wouldn't want to ask that to look like I'm being nosy or looking and put them in a bad place so I think that that's been the biggest thing and I think that's another thing no one will ever no one will ever see that on an episode in terms of they won't go they won't make that correlation but it will lead to a better interview as, mm-hmm. as weird as that may sound so yeah I think being being able to have those breaks has been really big I'm super appreciative of just stumbling across that way of doing podcasting. And there's often times in the in the episodes where there's a fine line between an interview and a conversation. Mm. Uh, and I noticed one that you was most comfortable with, with um, was with Dominique, yeah. season one, episode two. Like, just describe like um, your conversation with her and like how you was able to like. Did it surprise you? Like for your second episode, you you, may, you you was able to really get the truth out of her and some interesting stories. And yeah. the uh, conversation just flowed. It didn't feel like a like an interview that was you know planned or anything. And I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, I'm sure she surprised you with some of her stories. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Dominique's awesome, and um, we had actually spoke. I want to say I was maybe three episodes before the end of season one. And I said, look, I'm really sorry that season one's going to be done recording, but let's get back together when season two's... Um... Oh, that was season two, sorry, wasn't yeah, it? No, no, yeah, no, 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 that's fine. But yeah, so we had built somewhat of like a rapport over conversation, like over the phone. Mm. And then I met her that day. So then you've always... That's another thing that I haven't really done much of in season one. And I started season two by having to meet someone and be like, this is, you know, we've got to build a rapport quickly and then I've got to ask you, you know not got to ask you but i'm now going to ask you a lot about your life so you would you have a, a conversation before the uh, yeah just to kind before of recording you know to yeah ease into it mm, yeah like you would have known in terms of with our recording i don't like sitting down with the mic and immediately jumping into a conversation right, yeah it's almost like doing a warm-up before a workout because yeah. you don't want to go into a conversation feeling like you've got to build momentum during the interview I'd like to kind of feel like with people let's just like get 10 minutes of just chatting just to kind of get you in that state of mind of being in a chatty place so and plus what I gathered from most of the guests is they're all really comfortable talkers mm. but I'm going to take a guess that most of them haven't had this sort of haven't been in the environment where they're having like an interview as such I yeah. mean some of them may have like the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. you know the athletes and mm. uh, you know the influencers but um, I suppose generally it's, it's something new for them too so mm. There was no rules, really, and no expectations. No, and I think that the funny thing is I've now been a guest on two podcasts in, like, the past week or two, and I'm so nervous, and I think being able to be a guest has really helped, is going to really help me now going forward because I just think, like, oh, 
I get the I get to control the entire process in terms of questions. Mm-hmm. But as a guest, you're kind of at the mercy of whatever question that person asks you. So yeah. I think there's being conscious to say to people before, you know, you've got complete real, you've got real freedom on how it's edited. And if there's a question that you don't want to answer, don't answer it. Like, I, I, I'm not here to kind of get these like gotcha questions and mm-hmm. make you look bad, want to make you look as good as possible. So I think that that's helped in terms of people knowing that they have, they have control over how the interview ends up looking at the end but I also come from a loving place and a place of intrigue so when I'm asking questions it is more like a conversation in that sense yeah I think that's the better thing isn't it yeah that's ended up being that way so yeah I I try to do my best to make people feel as at ease as they can and yeah so it's not like the formality of like an interview like it's more of a conversation yeah and and they know mine I think now Whereas when we recorded, no one knew what the Guards of Eden looked like. Mm. So they didn't know what these episodes are going to look like. Whereas now they can listen to an episode and they kind of go, oh, okay, I see what he's trying to do with the podcast. So it makes life a bit, makes it less intimidating when it gets to this point where we're recording on two So back then when we started, what was your expectations? And, you know, where did you see the the podcast series going like one year from, from that moment? Do you know what the funniest thing was? I, I found a diary that I like an entry of like what I wanted to achieve in 2019 from January. And I said at that point, 10 hours. So I didn't know what that looked like, but I wanted to do 10 hours of Guards of Eden. So I think that my expectations were pretty low. I just thought, look, I don't know anything. I'm, you know, I don't really know shit about anything in terms of the logistical process of a podcast. I don't know if people are going to want to do it. I don't know if I'm going to be so bad at it that it's going to not be worth doing but I think that as it kind of went along you kind of just stumble into it like a snowball effect with it all Mm -hmm. and yeah I did the first season finished on July 4th and then in my head I was like oh I'll get back into it kind of as the springtime comes and then I think I started like mid-October for season two and it was 12 episodes so yeah it just ended up happening and I think the first season I planned for like six episodes when I first set out because I thought no one was going to want to do it. And then people, more and more people were. And I got to speak to all these amazing people. And I thought, okay, then it just leaks into, and it went to 11. So my expectations were super low. I just wanted to give it a go. And I've loved podcasts. And I wanted to build something that I could have my kind of creative footprint on everything. So, yeah, and I just wanted to bring something positive for people together. So in my head, that was just, that was all I ever thought about with it. And... It's Did you have grown. any goals for uh, like numbers in terms of building a brand, gaining mm. followers through the platforms that you use, something that could be measurable? Did you have any of those goals and have they been achieved? The funny thing is, not really in terms of, well, maybe not when I started out. I think as season two came along, I kind of had some mini numbers that I wanted to hit, but I didn't know how many listens podcasts got. Like, so it's not like YouTube where I can just click on people's YouTube channels and just look and see what views they get. And yeah all of that like podcast numbers are pretty closed off so which is a good thing right because sometimes mm. a person can look at the views yeah um as soon as they as soon as they press play and they'll judge the quality of the content based on the views 100 percent, and it's and the funny thing is is like the some of the episodes that have performed really well i think that they don't have the biggest platform on instagram and social media mm. and you'd correlate it's natural and it was a process that i went through in terms of like oh 
that person has more followers so you kind of try to project how many plays that i'll eventually have and i think it's the most important thing is the excitement of the guest that they've been on your podcast mm. ends up being whether people want to listen to it or not if they share it but say they repost my post of it in terms of on an instagram story for example that may not be nearly as effective as someone doing like a selfie story on Instagram or a post on their wall saying, I've been on this podcast, you can check out Showing here. gratitude, yeah. Yeah, so I think that that's ended up being what's the most important because I think the weirdest thing about podcasting is that you're fighting against the best podcasts in the world mm-hmm. the moment you start one. It's yeah. not like if me and you went, oh, let's go and try to be professional football players, they wouldn't put us at the Bernabeu and playing with like Hazard. Like you, you usually compete in your peer group whereas for me I'm competing with people's time they want to listen to a podcast and they could listen to you know Happy Place or the Joe Rogan podcast like all these amazing big platforms and I've got to convince them to listen to Cards of Eden so it's really hard to gauge numbers at the beginning but kind of as there's been a bit of a track record I kind of get to see a bit more now and yeah I think right now my belief is is that if i find interesting people and good conversations those stats are just going to accumulate and accumulate mm-hmm. my instagram problems my instagram followers have probably gone up over that time they probably have like i i can't really remember where i started out in season one to now but yeah it's exposed me to a lot of really great people and i think that's probably the the biggest takeaway from it all that yeah i've got to spend time with all these like these amazing people i think it's the biggest thing that's the thing i like about the series is like you're humbled because guests and the listeners appreciate the integrity of the series because mm. you generally enjoy conversation with people that inspire you and you want to listen to their stories. It doesn't matter if you're you like you it's it's never been evident that you're using them to gain success, no. like measurable success, like numbers or followers, like you mm. mentioned. Like we the listener can tell that you're doing this because your your success is like something that's unmeasurable like yeah. uh happiness gratitude and uh learning and self-growth as well yeah 100 percent. and i think it's so important to be that way in a world where it's easy to get lured into numbers and let that control what you perceive as success but i think the one thing i didn't not expect until i kind of started doing it was just how much self-worth i gained from these conversations mm-hmm. i think that ended up being massive so and it's like you, I guess. I don't know. You, you know, you went into. You might have gone into DJ with kind of one expectation and what success looks like, and now you're being able to do all these like kick-ass things with your DJing career. So, and it's something that you maybe don't expect at the beginning, but it ends up being what ends up being the most important. And I think. Well, I think some people lose track on the on the post-production side of it. So mm. once they've actually created the content, mm. they worry about how am I going to make this look good to get X amount of likes on Instagram, but. Yeah. Instagram likes don't generate listens. No. So it doesn't matter how good the artwork look or how good your bio is and how many people you've tagged. All you really want is people to listen. Yeah. And that that's the, that's the it's the hardest thing to try and gauge someone to pull themselves away from like, oh, I just like that pic because it looks yeah. good. It sounds great. He's had that conversation. It's really hard to actually engage them and like make I don't know like make or convince them to uh, actually listen to the to the content. You know. Yeah. And trust and in the process. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think. The difference is with the podcast is like people can pick that up in six months and that could be like a big thing like in terms of it's it's hard not to get gripped into the immediacy of it all yeah in terms of the instagram likes that post the post itself may never get another like but that podcast episode is going to continue to get plays months and months and months and months down the line so 
yeah, I think the thing, the biggest narrative change from season two to season three is that people were reaching out to me to be on the podcast now, which is very surreal. And I think they're now getting to listen to episodes and go, oh, this is a podcast I'd like to be on. And that will never look, that will never have a social media impression or mm-hmm. stat, but it's massive because it might end up being another guest that comes on. And then that's, again, like the knock-on effect that someone might listen to their episode and then want to come on. And those are the... Th- those are the people that you aim to get you that that is what your target audience yeah because i i always i've always said um i've never got one dj booking for a photo of an of, on instagram and no. i think too many people focus on their profile image and their feed rather than actually the quality of the content that they're doing yeah. like the quality of your podcast so when people listen to your podcast and are asking to be on it then it makes everything worthwhile and it's like the same way with me if a dj listens to my mix or he stumbles across it and he didn't find it through like an instagram post then it makes it all worthwhile because it's like right well i've put it out there and now it's actually finding the people rather than you know it's finding it eventually find its way to the right people yeah like you you could go and do a gig you could go and do a gig next weekend and someone really important goes there just happens to be where you're djing yeah and goes, oh, I like this guy's music. I like his attitude. And yeah, that will never be. There'll never be a social media stat that no. confirms that. But you don't know what that opportunity ends up leading to down mm-hmm. the line. And I think, you know, I've travelled for the podcast and I've paid like a lot of money to eventually do like everything in total. But but that's because I know that if it leads to a good good quality episode, if it leads to something that's valuable to someone one day that may end up in like having an impact that I never planned for now you know of course yeah so just like you like yeah being good at your job you could mail it in a couple of days like when you're in MAGA but the one time you get it right and then someone you know that has an effect and they tell someone important and that leads to you getting like a bit of progression in your career or some new opportunity it's mm-hmm. like yeah, you don't get to choose when opportunity strikes. It, you just have to be ready all the time for 100%. when it's going to happen. So, yeah. yeah, I completely agree with you in terms of the social media thing. It can't you can't allow that to paralyze you. And yeah, I've tried my best to just stick to you know good quality people, good quality episodes, and these amazing conversations. I think that will eventually speak for itself when you know time tells how long this journey lasts you know so now you've got the blessing of people actually approaching you and asking if they could feature on the podcast yeah what was your original uh, approach to like finding right, the right people for the episodes bruh just hella cold emails it was like sales almost you know so just firing emails out firing dms and you know that once again no one will ever see that but dominique was a that was a dm susie that was a dm um i'm trying to think of season two like yeah, it was like Insta DM, Insta DM. I knew Hannah. Mark was an email or email. Michael, I met at an event, but I met him through Mark. And that's another thing. You, It's so weird when you start to notice how you meet people and how just by chance it is. I met Michael by going to an event of Mark Whittle, who was episode four. And I met Mark for a cold email and hearing him on Susie's podcast. So if I don't go, if I don't put in the work to interview Susie, it cuts off so many like potential blessings along the way. Mm -hmm. So I think it ends up being that way, right? That you end up, I just try and stay open to possibility as much as I can. So to answer your question more directly, it's like 
it's like emails and messages and speaking to people and being like oh you know being open to the idea of saying like oh I'm still looking for guests and someone being like oh I think they'd be great and it may be someone that I know and I haven't thought of or it might be someone that I don't know and I kind of reach out to and then work out that way but I think it all works out in very mysterious ways but it's a lot of like putting myself out there and sacrificing my ego for opportunity is like the it's been the biggest thing to it growing at all that's the thing you do have a diverse amount of guests on, yeah. the, on the series um but they all have similar qualities and like like i said they're great in conversation they all yeah. sound like humble lovely people we're easy to talk to yeah is there a criteria that you kind of have before approaching these people what like what is the process like because obviously like i said these people have interesting stories some of mm. them you aspire to be like some of them you may have nothing in common with yeah but you knew that they would fit your series or like what why is that what is it what characteristics does that person have to have that is such a great question because i think it's a lot of intangible stuff it's stuff that's not it doesn't have a measure to it but i think it's someone that i get on with or respect what they're doing is like the primary thing above everything yeah i can't i'll never have anyone on the podcast i'm pretty certain i can say it. i'll never have anyone on the podcast that i look at and go i don't really respect the work that you do so I think that that's like the primary thing. And then it always just leads to like, I think of an underlying theme as almost like a rope in a conversation that holds everything, right? Um, that no matter what we go up and down or all these different directions, there's a theme that kind of runs through the entire thing. Yeah. And an episode like ours, it was like, we're both starting a journey together when we first did the episode on episode one. And now we've come full circle here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's in terms of like, there's a theme in my head that I don't ever need to tell the guests, but in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's the thing that's like interesting to me. And no matter how much of the story we cover, that's something that in my head, it kind of trickles from beginning to the end. We talk about running themes. I did notice yeah. that there was a running theme uh, through a couple of episodes about the conversation and topic of uh, mental health. Yeah. Was you ever consciously um, aware that your guests were talking about these uh, subjects and did you ever learn anything from their stories and their advice about the topic itself? I think it's an in vogue topic in general in life now. I think in the past couple of years for sure, we as a society, as a massive whole, have become a little bit more aware of like the impact that it has and i think there's you know a lot of the people i'm speaking to they're attacking dreams and they're trying to chase something and i think it ends up being that you sacrifice your mental well-being along the way for some of the time and yeah i am aware of it like i think it's a topic that's hard to avoid now and i think it's something that translates to everyone so i think it's something that i have been conscious to kind of discuss along the way and i also think that these great stories of like overcoming things mental health ends up being a massive key to what they've had to overcome yeah like michael that episode the season finale for season two that, um overcoming what he overcame to live the life that he lives now it would have been impossible to have that conversation without bringing up mental health and how that's had an impact on his life and what he's had to overcome in terms of just personal demons so yeah it's something i'm conscious of and it's a conversation i enjoy having although it can lead to you know some 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 darker topics but well all your guests have always had the confidence in unveiling their true emotions yeah and being true to their self and um and i think that's why some of your uh, episodes have just been so great to listen to because Thank although you. i don't know these people yeah. they're truly insp uh, inspirational stories mm. and i'm i'm sure these episodes have inspired 
listeners too. I mean, have you been approached by people and said like, I listened to your episode and her story inspired me to be more confident in myself and, you know, not to listen to what other people think I should be or should do? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It always means more when it's someone like you, as bad as that sounds, in terms of someone that I have a real friendship with. I've had a, I've had a couple of friends that have really like appreciated what the Gods of Eden's I've been built on and what people are sharing in their stories. So for me anyway, it comes from that place in terms of people I really care about having an impact on their lives through the podcast. It's something I'm super appreciative of. And a podcast allows you to go through all these different emotions in a safer space. So yeah, I think it's... It, and as I've got more comfortable once again asking these more un, more uncomfortable questions, it's leading to these answers that... It ends up leading to conversations I'm so proud of now that I've just had them, not alone. That's irrespective of Mike's like to have that conversation. So It, it must feel like therapy for them. And mm. we talk about character limit and you know expressing mm. yourself in in more refined ways online uh, especially with Sarah Davies is something yeah. that she was doing wasn't she and that's something that you picked up on mm. and your uh, long conversation um, back and forth you know yeah. it must have been like therapy for her to you know finally have no limit and no cap on what she can say but for you to listen and then to also you know express your feelings and emotions about these mm. topics too does it did it ever feel like therapy for you doing these episodes yeah so weird that word came up in an interview recently that that will come out to open this season yeah therapy it's like a massive word that comes in my head because I actually go to therapy as well and I've learned the, the benefit of that form of therapy which is private but having these conversations like now yeah it's therapeutic I can say it for myself anyway I can't obviously speak for a guest personally that hasn't said it to me but I think that yeah being able to have that conversation it's therapeutic in three different ways so it's therapeutic for me as the host because I'm, I'm not forced to, but I'm, I feel obliged to be vulnerable with the person that's being so vulnerable about their own journey. So it's therapeutic for me in that sense. It's therapeutic for the guest, and it's therapeutic for the listener to hear. You know, just like you said, someone might have gone through what some like someone like Sarah's gone through in terms of she was picked on for her body a lot as a younger kid, and she's now in this limelight in terms of she's a female powerlifter and well, Olympic lifter, not powerlifter, but yeah, these ideals of bodies image for women is such a massive thing that loads of women feel that way about their body and they're not they're not olympians like so to see someone that is in physical peak shape that she is for her sport she then becomes so relatable to just any women that listen to that episode because it's something that a lot of women unfortunately have to work with so yeah i think it's therapeutic in three different ways in that sense for me as the host the guest and then the listener themselves so yeah, I think podcasts are just having this massive impact on people's lives. And I think I've joined a, a time where it's really busy, but people are really starting to open their minds to making time to listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. I know it's not, I on, and I can honestly say this truthfully, I know it's not something that's important to you to find a guest yeah. that you aspire to have on this show based on their celebrity status or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But is there anyone in the public eye or like a... a I don't know, like a, a dream celebrity guest mm. that everyone will know and yeah. you think I could get a really, really interesting conversation. Yeah, that's um, people that stick out. I'm like the biggest Megan Rapinoe fan and what she's done in terms of President Trump has like slaughtered her in the press. She took a knee when Kaepernick was at the NFL and for inequality, she's done a lot for like the LGBT community and equality in terms of just gender pay. So... She's someone I'd really like, would be amazing to have. And yeah, I don't, 
I never know them. They never come to my head. But like, like someone like Fern Cotton, like that's another one. I'd love to have Fern Cotton on. I think she has the biggest UK podcast that there is. So for me, it's like that person's the top of the field. So of course, in something that I really respect in podcasting, that's naturally someone that would be like a game changer in my head because it's like you're you're someone I'm aspiring to match platform so that's someone yeah there's loads there are loads and I just because yeah I just think you like it's too self-righteous to be like oh because you're famous I don't want you on there like that's just ridiculous like I, there's loads of people that I'd love to have on here and I think there's some arrogance on my side that's like I think I can have an interesting conversation with anyone so it also means I'm not that limited yeah you know so like the, the name and the status of the guest is yeah. like the least important thing with yeah. the series yeah first of all like the reason I wanted to start the podcast with you was because I knew you were about to go on this amazing journey with Magaluf and DJing and for me anyway that we were both starting something really special so I wanted to share that with you so it was important that we were both in this weird space of like we don't really know what we're looking for in terms of the experience we're about to go on. We kind of have a rough outline of what we're hoping for, but at the same time, there's this excitement because it's new and it's different. So yeah, it was important. There are reasons for, you know, there is method to the madness with a lot of it. But yeah, you know what I mean? It was important that we shared that at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it's been good. It's been a year. Yeah. It's been a good year. <laughs> yeah, it has, man, for both of us. It's yeah. like our lives are in different places now for it. Yeah, 100%, definitely. Yeah. Growth, that's it. Like, Big started time. growth. All about the growth. 100%. <laughs> awesome. Okay, this is like the second half almost. But, um, right, Adam, let's start with... you've. You've set up the Guards of Eden soundtrack playlist almost. You kick it off oh, with yeah, yeah, yeah. you kicked it off with Ti Live, Live Your, Your Life, Life with Rihanna, hey. which was bangers. Um, but you're going to be the first person that has two songs on the playlist. Yeah. So well, Adam, I am a DJ, so I should be uh, good at this. Yeah, stuff. true. But yeah, so Adam, the first question: Can you give me a song that reminds you of a happy memory or makes you feel good? Okay, so I've chosen. Starlight by the Superman Lovers. Bangers. Bangers uh, on top bangers. I, I'm not going to play it. I don't want you to get copyrighted, <laughs> whatever. But people, Starlight, can you hear Yeah, true. Proper feel-good <laughs> tune, man. Starlight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you why. Because often we have these moments as DJs where we'll be playing songs and they'll trigger memories of another song because yeah. that's where you're looking to merge songs together. So you need songs that sound the same, belong to the same genre, have the same ring to it, whatever. And we get these moments all the time. And there was a moment in Magaluf when I was in the club and I was like playing some old school, I'd be for house. And the melody of that song came in my head. Mm -hmm. And then I remembered the name. So I searched my laptop, have I got it? Haven't got it, can't believe I haven't got it. Download it, play it. And I'm enjoying it as much as the people are enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And it legit had, like, it's Magaluf, it's hot. I legit had goosebumps. Uh. And I was like... Like, I'm so glad everyone's enjoying this moment with me. Yeah, yeah. And you can get on the mic and that. And I, I said that. I was I, I was cheesy. I was probably <laughs> drunk or whatever. But I was just like, oh, thank you for sharing that moment with me. Da, da, da. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is a classic. I was, And I, yeah, that reminds me of such a happy moment because, mm. you know, you can't always play what you want. But I'm just so glad that that song worked with everyone else in that particular moment, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pure. Have you had a lot of moments like that where you've had moments where they're almost that vivid in terms of, a crowd being a certain way and reacting to you in a certain way and you being and it having like a deeper impact on you rather than just being like 
yeah, this is cool. Like, they're into it. You being like, oh, no, no, this feels a bit different. Yeah, because, well, there's it's very rarely different like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because songs tend to have the same like effect on most people. Yeah. So, like, classics, you always know what reaction to get. To, so you start to expect the reaction to people. Yeah. And it's always, like, you know, around the same sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. But it's very rare that you get a reaction that surprises you yourself because yeah. you haven't used that song as a tool to make people react before. Yeah. And that was just one vivid memory where I was just like, wow. Like, And, of course, that song isn't going to work everywhere and in every moment. But for that moment, it was just so pure and like everyone enjoyed it it made me realize that i just wasn't in a job right there like i wasn't just doing a job my my job was actually like to create memories for people and to like mm. create a mood in a room and i really felt it then that's awesome yeah so special was yeah <laughs> that's gonna um so that's gonna live on the spotify playlist yeah. guards of eden soundtrack can you believe it's been a year since we recorded that episode and a year since you went out to maga the first time it's weird because I'm I'm used to being back in London now, so yeah. it kind of does because I'm used to being in London now. But like to think about all the memories I had and all the times I had in in that summer period, you know, it's crazy. And um, we recorded it before I actually went out there, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And at the time, I was a bit nervous because I was on a trial basis, uh-huh. and I reassured myself and I had reassurances from my friends that'd be fine. But of course, I was always a bit of like a... I wasn't a pessimist, but there was always the the chance that it wasn't going to work out for me. And I remember telling you, like, put the episode on hold until I get the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I really didn't know what to expect. And, you know, it was just the best time in my life, honestly. I just, I can't believe that a year's gone by and, yeah. Do you remember how you felt before you went out to Magaluf that first time? Like, let's take you to the airport. Do you remember what you were thinking at the airport when you were about to fly out to Magaluf, knowing... That you're going out there to try and DJ all summer? I just had a really strong mindset because I knew it was all or nothing. Mm. I knew that I had to take my chance and I was committing a lot. I had a one-way flight and I had to make sure that I got the trial. Mm. And I didn't want to let anything distract me until I got that job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was just my mindset, you know, just focus, no distractions. And there was a little bit of doubt in my mind, but then... I suppose it was meant to be in the end and it, it worked out and it, it just it, it drove me to uh, maybe prepare harder and work harder and yeah, yeah it paid off yeah and it's it is so surreal to hear you be like nervous because you've been DJing for such a while but yeah are you conscious that it is like a big step up at that time are you conscious of like I'd, the, the, the kind of the size of the opportunity yeah I yes. was I was so I, that's why I say it was like all or nothing yeah yeah and it was such a big like stepping stone to put me through the door mm. of like being a resort DJ and knowing what it could lead to yeah I never really really grasped what it could lead to and the opportunities that I'm going to get this year I never would have thought were imaginable yeah, yeah, yeah but I just knew that I had to get past that first step do you remember your first night of feeling comfortable there no, it wasn't one defining moment because every day kind of rolls into one day. Yeah, You're working yeah, yeah. every night. I de- but I definitely just grew more confident about how I carried myself mm. and what I was doing. And I genuinely look forward to going to work every day. Like it's, yeah. It was so, so fun. And no night is ever the same. Really? Because it's a holiday resort, people come and go. They don't like yeah, yeah. turn up on the weekend and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong, weekends are busier, but it's not like, you know, you're never seeing the same person more than... Because people are bar hopping and yeah. stuff like that, right? And let me tell you something. If you do see the same group of people two, yeah. three, yeah. four times on their holiday, that's one of the best feelings. Yeah, because they found somewhere they're like, this place is dope, we're staying, let's just do this place. Like. You've contributed to like yeah, yeah, their yeah. holiday... 
and you, you're playing to a part where they're the reason that 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 they're coming back. That's that was one of the like I think that was like early on in the season. I started seeing people arrive in the bar like two days in a row, and I'll be yeah. like, right, I must be doing something right. Everyone plays their part, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. club, the bar staff, the prices, everything. The music also plays a part too. Yeah, of course. And especially when they tell you that, and they're like, oh, hey, we came because last night yeah. you were sick. So that's yeah. always the best feeling. Yeah, so weird. I've, we've never spoken about that that being like a big thing that you took away from the summer. Honestly, so important because when you're based in like London around here and you're DJing, like you have regular customers because it's their hometown. Yeah. But for someone to, you know, whether they're on a weekend holiday or a week holiday, to choose to come to your place and talk to you and interact with you mm. and enjoy the night with you, it's, it's just such a great feeling. And, you know, I've spoken to a DJ I'm speaking recently and he's been there like I think four, five, six years now and he has people that come on a holiday and they they come to his club where he DJs at every year three times a year wow. and ask for the same song and it's like it's it was nice to have like that I, I was reflecting over the winter and I was like it's so nice that I've probably made an impact on so many people that I don't remember Yeah. but because I played someone's song or gave someone a free shot behind the bar and, you know, let yeah. them stand and have a photo in the DJ booth, you know. Yeah. That memory could live on forever. And that memory and the way that I treated customers and same for the bar girls and the promoters, the, the way we treat people when they're on holiday could be the sole reason why they come back on holiday or even better, recommend friends to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is just like something you can't measure. Like we're talking about measuring success earlier. Yeah, yeah. That's just honestly the greatest feeling. Like it's better than yeah, yeah. any amount of number plays on SoundCloud. It's yeah, just yeah, the yeah. feeling of people wanting to come back because of you. Yeah, so true. That's so true. What were like big highlights from your summer? Giving up, like being given opportunities like late into the season when I thought that maybe that that door was would never be opened okay so I got approached to do my so I have friends that were DJing on boat parties and I would go join them and mm-hmm. just share the experience with them sometimes just as a, you know in the middle of the dance or drinking as as every other party goer mm-hmm. or sometimes standing next to them and getting on the mic and helping them yeah. with charts and stuff <laughs> like that because uh, I wanted to learn I, I wanted to be the DJ I didn't want to be the person that was on the other side of the booth dancing yeah. And then the opportunity came and like, it was just the best day ever. So I was covering a DJ. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was like um, a, a ticket stand next door to where I worked mm-hmm. and they were the people selling tickets for the boat. And it was like, oh, we don't know you, but we've heard great things about you. This is what we want is it was called Magusta boat parties. Okay. And they play reggaeton, R&B and hip hop. So- and they're like, we'd heard that you're really comfortable with playing reggaeton. Like yeah. for an English DJ out here, that's quite impressive. We'd like that. Would you like to do it? And I was just so nervous. Like, like I said, going back to things, you know, uncharted territory. I was so nervous. I tried to make it. I think initially I tried to make an excuse in my head. Really? Like, oh, I got to pay rent at this, so I can't be there. I was just so stupid. <laughs> and then, like, uh, my friend, like, he egged me on to do it. So I was like, yeah, of course I do it. Of course I do it. And then I did it. And just in the moment, it was just so like fun. I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, late into the season, like in August time, I think I did it. Okay. And then it led to doing it again and again. So that was like something that really surprised me. And like, um, there wasn't just boat parties, there was workers parties. So there's clubs that tip, like most clubs typically shut at 4am, but then there'd be workers parties where all workers, when they've closed the bar, can go to 6am. Yeah. And I was given the opportunity to DJ there too. Mm. And once again, that came from 
going with the DJs that were doing the workers' parties and just shadowing them. Yeah. And then being introduced to the manager and then go, oh, so you're the DJ there. And, you know, and just getting in there and learning, shadowing, collaborating to eventually lead into my own opportunities to do it. That's always how I've worked, really. Just, you know, not being shy to um, have mentors and follow them, learn from them. And then when the time comes, you never know, you'll be covering that mentor or you'll be next to them doing it. So those are the things that really surprised me. And like, if you had told me that like a year ago, like, oh, because you know, even you was worried for me, you're doing like seven nights a week and X amount of hours. If Big you had told me like, you're going to be doing days on top of that, I would be like, oh no, fuck that, that's too hard. <laughs> but then I just, I love what I do. I never have a bad day at work. Like, how can I complain about doing the thing I love to do? Like if, it, if it's extra hours and it's extra work, that's not hard work, that's good work. Like. Yes, I'll take it. That's so funny, yeah. There's two different places I want to go, but I'll go this place because you've brought it up. Yeah, that was the one thing that... That was like the only reservation I really had for you, in all honesty, when you went out there, was that that schedule of seven nights a week is so... From an outsider's perspective, it fit, it sounds grueling. Mm. Like, it sounds, like, arduous. And, and I think for me, anyway, it was... The question I wanted to ask was, how challenging is it to maintain your health out there when you're working like eight till four? Like how challenging is it to make sure that, you know, you stop yourself from being ill with this somewhat like kind of crazy schedule? Yeah, it's it was hard to adapt to because it's eight hours a night, mm. seven nights a week. You need your sleep. Mm. You need to do your chores around the house, like washing cooking you know i think for the first three months i just ate out in restaurants because i generally didn't have the time to shop and then prepare food and cook food yeah i wasted a lot of money there let me tell you (laughs) um but uh, you know eventually you got into the groove of things Mm -hmm. i got really sick in may in the second month oh really like i've never been so sick like four days bed bound like Mm. body aching flu everything and I couldn't afford much more time off, you know, because I was getting cover and, you know, I had to push myself to get up and to work. Um, but I just think that's because it, it just kicked in like five, six weeks. It just yeah. kicked in and like my body couldn't take it and I was just drained. Yeah. And a lot of people get sick around the same time and towards the end of the season too, there's like... Yeah, yeah. But as for like days off, I had a day off very, very early in the season and then you get days off towards the end, you know, as less yeah. tourists come. I just You generally don't know what to do with yourself. Like, because going to work for me was like the best part of my day because all my best mates are there. Yeah. I'm drinking, it's free. I'm doing the thing I love to do, play music. And you never know who you're going to meet. Right. Whereas when you have a day off or a night off, you go to bars where you have to pay for drinks. You're not in control with the music and all your best mates are at work. So you ain't got no one to go out with anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hated days off and I, I wanted to work every night. So it, it's funny me saying that now because like you yeah. said, it was fucking daunting at first. But yeah. And the other thing that came to my head was that you talk about, you were almost like, you lived like a similar social life to like someone that's in recruitment in London as a DJ in Magaluf like these people are going to like networking events to make sure that they can get like opportunities and stuff like that and it's just so interesting that you could have you had these like crossovers in terms of in a vacuum people that look for opportunity here if they're in like sales or they're in a field where it's important to know people like you're doing the same thing in a completely different field and you know, different time schedule and everything. Has that been like a big learning for you over the past year, knowing that you've got to put yourself in certain positions to kind of get opportunities and be willing to be mentored? People think it's hard to find mentors. Sometimes it's that that old adage of, 
the teacher will appear when the student is ready like do you think that's been a big learning in the past year yeah I've done it more over there like because one I came I came there on my own mm. but I didn't want to like leave alone I wanted to, didn't want to just leave with memories I wanted to leave with great connections with people Yeah. and because I know that always leads to opportunity just being humble being nice and being willing to learn Yeah. a lot of people close that door and are very like selfish not just in the DJ industry but in, in some workplaces mm-hmm. I just think it's always so important to be humble know yourself know your worth and collaborate learn communicate with people so I was lucky that I had two older mentors who worked at Stereo so they were like two DJs they, they worked together in the night yeah. and that's the bigger club that is owned by the bar that I was working in sure and you know I'd always go for them for advice and they'd always like put an arm around me if I was having a bad time or they'd always tell me I'm doing great and they used to say like every time we look over at you at your bar we've never seen that bar so busy in all these years like you're doing so well keep in there don't blame yourself for it being quiet it's quiet in here you know they just say the right things and they've been messaging me over winter just saying like you're a great guy we can't wait to work with you and that and just um you know they weren't my only mentors but i've never been i've never been competitive or like dirty business and mm. all this stuff because it doesn't lead anywhere like oh you know you can't go to that place because our bar doesn't like them you know and I've never looked at a DJ and thought mm, I don't want it like he wouldn't he wouldn't want to talk to me like I want to talk to him I want I want to see like mm. I want to compliment him I want to say oh let's do this together like we should do this t- sometimes or I like the way you do that I want to I want to be honest I don't want to be like jealous or in my own lane mm. I always want to have mentors and people that you know, can eventually help you out and you can reciprocate help. You know, you never know when you might need someone to help you and they could return the favour by putting you into a venue where you've never DJed before and, yeah. you know, that leads to more more opportunities. Just think it's a dog-eat-dog world and yeah. it's unhealthy. I'd rather just collaborate and be close with everyone in my field. Can you speak to the friendships that you've built over the past year in terms of the Magaluf season? And how important they've been to your life post summer season? Yeah, they've been great, man. Like, like I said, it's family. It's more than friendships, you yeah. know. And um, you know, everyone goes off their own ways. They go maybe work in Austria resorts. Like people mm. have done that. People go travelling in Asia. Yeah. Um, people come back home, and then I meet them. I meet them where I can, or you know, message them where I can. Mm. It's nice now that I've just got like friends from all over the world, basically, just yeah. from that one little pothole. Yeah. in Magaluf I've now like broadened my you know friendships zones of everywhere with everyone mm. and met so many amazing people yeah how do you feel you've changed as a person over the past year because of that summer I feel like I can I'm so much more open to talking to people because like I said I came alone and then I, I've left with so much more like mm. friends and opportunities and you know I never valued myself more than anyone else I always thought everyone here we're in the same boat and as you open up to people you found out that they're escaping something and that they come here to do better for each other mm. um so that's just the thing that I've, i feel like i've taken away the most is like relationships with people and having so much more in common with people that on the naked eye i didn't think i did like yeah. and you know our paths have crossed one way or another through different backgrounds but we're here in this place now mm. and we're um we're living our best lives you know yeah yeah how are you feeling now you're coming into the summer? Like what's like right now as you look forward at twenty twenty and envision it and picture what the summer looks like for you, like how do you feel? How where's your head at with everything? 
I feel just so much more confident in myself. Mm. And I think rather than being like, I'm still going to be humble on a course and I'm still going to be willing to learn. But this time I feel like um, I'm not going to be like reserved about what I can achieve or like not confident in myself. This time I know that like I can smash the ball out of the park and I pretty much achieve anything. Not like an arrogance or anything, but mm. I just don't have to be scared of a new opportunity. I don't have to make excuses for trying something new or to go in, or going somewhere that I've never been before. Yeah, 100%. And before I ask you to plug everything and we do the final four, this is just one question I wanted to ask, but what do you think is the biggest takeaway you've taken from the past year? So, and let's do pre-Magaloof 20, 2019 to now. Yeah. So that year, what would you say is the biggest takeaway that you've just taken from life happening over that time? Just being in control of my destiny, like I mentioned. Like, yeah being in a position where I'm fortunate enough to say, but well, this isn't for me. And, you know, having the, the heart and integrity to walk to walk away from something that doesn't belong to you mm. because I know where I belong and I know what I can achieve now. I love it. Right. Adam, where can people find you and what do you have going on in terms of how people can see what you've got? Um, my bro underscore music. Yeah. Um, I'm just frying out some summer, mi- summer mixes at the moment on yeah. SoundCloud and, and Spotify. So you can just type in, um, my bro m-i-b-r-o underscore music summer mixes 2020 they're on soundcloud facebook instagram my bro underscore music and yeah just follow my instagram for pretty little photos that make my life seem amazing <laughs> <laughs> loads of filter yeah awesome i will stick everything in the show notes so guys check that out and i'm going to ask you the final four questions they have two of them changed since you asked them cool the first one hasn't which is What's one thing in your life that you're proud of overall? Um, I think it's the same answer. Yeah. But yeah, just building great friendships and bonds with people. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Second one. What's your biggest personal struggle that many people don't know about? Um, my fears. Like, I stress with like situations that are just so like alien to me. Mm. I just, I got my mind goes into overdrive and I just worry and I doubt myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's one thing that not many people know about because <laughs> from the outside they might just think oh he's like super confident he's a DJ he's got it all so interesting what are three personality traits slash characteristics that you would say you've built your life upon up to this point uh, the ability to communicate with all people from all backgrounds ages uh, the ability to learn to listen and learn yeah and a little bit of charm never goes amiss right there you go yeah, yeah. just a bit of charm yeah yeah and the final one is one that you've asked, answered before, but when we first did it, I used to have to read it, but I actually somewhat know it off by heart now. But many years into your future, your time as Adam Crompton is coming to an end. The person closest to you can only describe you and your time here on earth in one sentence. What would you hope that would be? That he was a great friend and he tried to make everyone around him happy. He never had any bad intentions. And he genuinely had a big heart and cares about a lot of people and a lot of things. I love it. That's yeah. great. Hey. <laughs> thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed no, our thank conversation. You, mate, do you know what? Like, one year on, you've done well, mate. Like, the, the podcast Same with you. is like, like I said, the podcast is sick. I love it. Thank like, you it's so, so humble. Much. It's so down to earth. And it literally doesn't matter who you have, like, the name or status of the guests you have. That's mm. the least important thing. Yeah. Like, you just. We're learning so much about people that we never would have like thought of listening to their st- stories before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just loving like how open it is. And firstly, I really appreciate that. And then 
Secondly, I'm loving seeing you find this like wild purpose. Purpose, like, that's the yeah, word, yeah. All of a sudden. And it's special to see you find that at your age. Like in terms of like, I'm, you know, I found parts of it, but you've like really embodied like what you're looking to achieve and everything. And it's just so, it's just special. It, it means that you've got a fuckload of time to push that now and really drive at it. And um, yeah, dude, you're going, you're, you know, I really believe that you're going to travel so much and have these like really rich experiences for your DJing and that passion and, yeah, I can't wait. I think the conversation me and you have just had, and in terms of like why we usually wouldn't do this for the breakdown at the end, but I think it's people are now getting to see like ah, this is why like we started that first episode together on the podcast, yeah. and why I felt it was important to do a part two and to do a year recap because so much has changed in that year for both of us and I think and that's personally I think I think we needed it to set it as like a a point in our lives where we needed to evaluate where we are Mm. but we're aware that we want to grow so we needed a conversation just so we could look back on which you know because I've listened to that episode two three times since and it's nice to look back on and be like wow we both set down we've set these goals and we vocaled it and for everyone else to hear and now we're achieving them yeah and it's nice to look back on and reflect and mm. like it's the word growth just see that growth man yeah. like from both sides so yeah, we've 100%. come we've come full circle but th- this ain't the end like no nope. we're going to continue in like moving striding on yeah more guests more conversations more lessons yeah. more listeners more banging dj sets <laughs> more, more causing memories. trouble yeah <laughs> more more vodka shots yeah more tequila just, yeah no i completely agree Man, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, brother. Yeah. One love, everyone. Love.